Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Live from Sun Devil Stadium for the ASU Spring Game, Arizona Sports State of the Sun Devil Show. Happy, happy Saturday, everybody. It is a very special edition of Arizona Sports Saturday, a State of the Sun Devils edition of Arizona Sports Saturday. I'm Mitch Ferreldis, and joined today by the lovely members of the State of the Sun Devils podcast crew that you can find on ArizonaSports.com and the Arizona Sports app. To my left, immediate left, Jeremy Schnell, operating this console. Jeremy, how are you doing today? Good, how are you, Mitch? I'm doing Happy well. Happy to be here right in the sun, and beaming down on you. We got all of our sunglasses on. It's very exciting. Right? Absolutely. To Jeremy's left, Jesse Morrison. Jesse? How is it going? It is great to be out here. You know, it is toasty, but it's not too toasty, so I'm having fun. It's not yeah. too toasty. We're not, not too toasty. To, not no. going to get too crisp today. Not not too crisp. And then to Jesse's left all the way at the end, Jake Anderson, the fine work that he does writing, covering the Arizona State Sun Devils team and his fine work on the podcast as well. Jake, welcome. How are you doing? I'm welcome. You can have me. Nice. Yes. <laughs> there we go. All right. Not too... Uh, well, thank you for having me on, obviously. Of course. Um, absolutely. I guess breaking news, Desert Mountain wide receiver Dylan Tapley has committed to Arizona State. Hey, How about that? There you go. Well, welcome to the show. Jake. Breaking the news. What a great there way to start go. the morning, right? And so, guess what? Activating the Valley. They are picking up a local kid, local yeah. three-star receiver. That's exactly what you want if you're Kenny Dillingham. And you know what? Speaking of Kenny Dillingham, he's actually making his way over to us now. He's going to be joining us shortly here while we get everything set up. We just want to remind you about the great event that's going on today. I'm good, I'm good, Coach. How are you doing? We're going to get you set up here. Go ahead and sit down in that middle chair. What's going on, Coach? Coach Kenny Dillingham throwing on a headset. Nice enough to join us on what is going to be a very exciting spring game, I imagine, for you, Coach. No question. I'm excited. It's going to be fun. Our guys are excited. Uh, great, great atmosphere out this morning for uh, Pat's run. Hopefully we can get a lot of those people back out here to watch our guys com- play and compete. Coach, I just want to ask you, because Dylan Tapley just tweeted that he's going to come here. I'm sure you knew that, but just your thoughts on the Desert Mountain wide receiver. Yeah, I cannot comment on uh, any prospects, but I'm fired up today in general. This isn't... This, I'm, I'm, I'm fired up for today. I'll just say that. I mean, this is this is awesome. I'm born and raised here, and, and having people as passionate about this place as I, as I am is what I want to bring in here. So I want to start there, if I could. The whole message of activating the Valley and the big focus on bringing kids back to Arizona. Was that a primary focus of yours when you were putting together this roster this offseason? Yeah, my biggest thing is guys who want to be here. Like I would, I would think people from here you know, have a passion for this place because they grew up around this place. But I want people who show up here every day and have a passion and an energy that they're blessed to be in this building, blessed to go to to practice here, blessed to put on the logo, blessed to be Sun Devils. Like, that's what I'm chasing. I'm chasing the passion to be a part of this program. As far as the spring game, what what should we kind of expect? Is it going to be more of a game? Is it going to be more of a practice with some, like, 11-on-11 mixing? What what should people Uh, expect? It's a full game. It's a maroon and gold team, coach by two guest uh, coaches. Our staffs are split. Uh, four seven-minute quarters live. Clock is live. Everything is live with the potential overtime with some fan interge- engagement there in the middle of each quarter. Get fans out in the field, make them catch a punt and do some fun things there. But this is a game. Uh, we were going to sit out some of our players. Full disclosure, we split up the teams. I chose, you know, four to six guys to sit out. I said, I don't want you guys to participate. And they were been texting and calling me all night last night like, no, I'm playing on my team. I want to play, I want to play, I want to play. So that just shows you the 
competitive nature that this program is right now is guys don't want to stand there and sit and watch their team play. They want to be a part of it. And uh, they're playing now because if they want to play, we're going to let them play. I love to hear that. And just to get that response from your guys, I read a story from, I believe, a couple of weeks ago where you had quoted it as one of the worst practices that you've ever seen. And the energy for you, it just wasn't there. How much of a turnaround did you notice just from that one example to see the energy completely shift of not getting to play and now saying, oh, no, coach, I want to go out there and play. I want to prove myself, prove these colors. Yeah, I think it's impossible. Any coach that says you had 15 great days, like, that's not real, right? So I think for us, it's everything's relative to the standard we're trying to set. And the standard we're trying to set is just being the very best at whatever you're doing all the time. So when we go out there, and I don't think we're giving our very best at everything we do, right, I'm going to tell the guys that. Guys need, like, kids nowadays, everybody says the bar is lowered and you can't treat kids like that's that's absolute false right kids have not changed expectations have been lowered for guys right the, the goal is to not lower an expectation so the new age kid can hit it the goal is to raise the expectations and be creative with how you get them to hit the same expectations that people have hit you know up to this point in life so i think we've just done that in a creative way and challenged our guys Coach, from the spring game itself, uh, it's your last, you know, organized football activity until until summer ball. What are you looking for in terms of? Uh, do they understand the scheme that you've installed the last month? Or is it the energy that they bring? Because we obviously heard you talk so much at practice about the intensity and having to run everywhere. Are you looking at maybe other recruiting needs that you might need to fill? Identify what you're good, what you're not good at. Just kind of what goes through the spring game in terms of the coach's mentality. Owning the ball. Who can take care of the football? Who can create takeaways? ways and effort at the end of the day whether we win or lose i'm going to sleep well not based off of if somebody had an ma a missed assignment i'm going to sleep well knowing that our team put everything they had on the field all the time and that's really what we've been stressing is the effort it, you know if you want to win in college football it's about explosive plays and turnover margin and then situational football so if you win the turnover margin if you win explosive plays how do you prevent explosive plays on defense right you run to the football you give effort how do you have explosive plays on offense you run and create tempo to create explosive plays so owning the ball and effort are two things that i want to see our guys go out there and do today and as far as spring practice and how that's gone and everything. I'm not going to ask you to, you know, call out one specific player that's been great, but just what specific position group have you seen that's just stood out above the rest of them? Yeah, defensive end, our edges. We call them edges in this system because they're not old school defensive ends. They're up the field, quarterback chaos creators, right? That is, you know, the most important player on the field, everybody will agree, is the quarterback. And Coach Ward takes that to heart and says, well, you know what? Most defensive ends play a certain way at the line of scrimmage, our defensive ends are going to be playing to create chaos for the quarterback. And uh, I think that group as a whole is, has shown up this spring. Arizona State University football head coach Kenny Dillingham joining us here on a special edition of Arizona Sports Saturday. You mentioned the quarterbacks a couple times in there when referencing your defensive group. I want to ask you about that crop of quarterbacks. It's a good crop on paper, and you've got this talented freshman that's coming in from the uh, local, or he's, he's a legacy, of course, of this university. Had the fallout with Florida, but now he's here. 
your early assessment of that group because there's a lot of talented kids in there. Yeah, I think it's a group that's hungry. I think it's a group that's that's learning the system. This is not an easy system to learn. This is extremely complex. We put the game in the hands of the quarterbacks, right? So they get to check almost every play at the line of scrimmage if they don't like the play call. And when you do that, there's so much that runs through your mind at quarterback because you're like, does he want me to check this? Does he not want me to check this? Is this what he was talking about in the meeting? Is this not? And so there's some growing pains with that process. But once it clicks, I tell the guys, eventually, one week in fall camp or in summer, it's going to click. And it's just going to make sense. And once it clicks, the game's going to slow down. And it's just going to slow down to a point where you feel like you're in full control. So we've thrown so much at these guys. I've been proud of how they've responded to the amount of stuff we've thrown at them. Right? And I'm just waiting for it to absolutely click. Coach, the, the biggest thing with, with you, obviously, in, in terms of a difference from the last regime is just the energy you bring, right? Earlier this week, you discussed Jordan Clark being one of the most competitive guys you've ever coached. What are some of the other players who have impressed you from their competitive and just effort standpoint? I mean, there's a lot. I mean, B.J. Green, Clayton Smith, uh, Travion Brown. I mean, Xavion, Alford, Chris, Edmund. I mean, I, I could go on and on. Uh, that's just the defensive side of the ball. I know everybody thinks I'm an offensive guy. I'm a defensive guy to my core. I started off coaching DBs for freshman football, right? But, so, I mean, it's just a lot of our guys, to be honest, and it all starts with the bar. You set the bar. And if one person hits it, Jake Plummer came and spoke to our team about it the other day, and if one person hits it, he's going to drag one person with him. And if that those two people hit it, they may drag one more person. And eventually you may have seven, right? The goal is can we get all 11 that are operating how this at the standard that's necessary? Right now I wouldn't say we're there, but I would say we're, we're working our way to get there. And uh, coach, obviously, this is a you know this is a free event for people to come out to today. Uh, you know, it, they still have like 50 minutes or whatever to get out here. W- what would you tell somebody in uh, their car driving around right now about why they should you know maybe change their plans today and come over here? Get here because it matters. You matter. Like everybody thinks, oh, it's just me. They won't miss me. I'm just gonna be the one person that stands. This is the Phoenix metropolitan area. There are 50,000 U's right now that are driving in their car saying, am I going to make the turn to come over here for an hour and a half? We're going to be out in the field from 12 to 115, 130. If everybody listening to this just turns, gets on the freeway, gets off on Scottsdale Road or Priest, depending on which way you're coming from, right? Go park, walk in, hang out for an hour and a half, support this team, support this program, activate the Valley, right? We can make this place what everybody wants it to be. But myself, my staff, these players, we cannot do it alone. College football is the ultimate sport that requires the people in the community. It it needs it. You look at all the best programs in college football, they have a community around them. This is the first chance that our community gets to show that they care. This is it. We get to show how much we care about this place by how many people are in attendance today. Arizona State football head coach Kenny Dillingham joining us. Last one for you, coach. It's your first time as a head coach. You spent several years as an offensive assistant in several different places. Early, of course, in the spring. But what has it been like being a head coach of a football team? I mean, honestly, it sounds horrible, but not any different. 
right? I just get to, you know, go to the other side of the ball and build relationships. You know, everybody thinks, oh, football is about these special schemes, and I'm going to come in here and have this special scheme. And, yeah, is scheming important? Yes, it is important. I have a specific beliefs in how I like to attack, and I think that's important. But that's never been my MO. I, don't, I, I would hope somebody, a former player of mine, I hope they don't say, oh, he's an offensive genius. I hope he says, man, that dude got more out of me than anybody else could have. That guy found a way to get me to watch film. That guy found a way to motivate me when I wasn't motivated. That guy cared about me. Because if players know you care, if players know that you you want what's best for them, I don't care what your scheme is. We'll run the power every snap if everybody's all in and belief that if I call power nine times in a row, it's because it's going to be successful. That's what football's about. Football's about the culture. It's about that. And being a head coach, I just get to create two sides of culture now, which is, is exciting and fun. Coach, we're all alums. We're all fired up for today. Thank you so much for taking some time today, and we're looking forward to seeing what you guys can put on the field. I appreciate, appreciate it. it. Get out so much, here. Coach. Get out here. Arizona State football head coach Kenny Dillingham joining us here on a special edition of Arizona Sports Saturday. When we come back, we'll talk about one of those key groups that we're going to be keeping our eyes on next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Live from Sun Devil Stadium for the ASU Spring Game. Arizona Sports State of the Sun Devil Show. A very nice and hot and warm and gorgeous day here at Sun Devil Stadium here in Tempe, Arizona. Mitch Varel is leading the charge on this State of the Sun Devils Saturday alongside the State of the Sun Devils crew, Jeremy Schnell, Jesse Morrison, and Jake Anderson. I, I mean, I don't know about you guys. I'm pretty fired up after talking with Coach Dillingham a few minutes ago. That dude just breathes a new life into this program. I don't know if you guys feel the same way. I mean, I just wish he was my alarm clock every morning, wake, waking me up, getting me ready to go for the day. Because, you know, sometimes when I, when I get out of bed to my just, like, obnoxious alarm clock, you know, I, I'm not feeling good for the rest of the day. But with, with Kenny, you know, I, I, would, I would feel pumped up and ready to go. I think the biggest thing I realized when we were talking to all the assistants for the very first time, and you saw how much energy and passion every single one of his assistants had to, and you go, oh wow, all these guys are just like Kenny. Like, this is not just Kenny. This is a top-down, top-to-bottom, everyone, and he he preaches it all the time. If you don't want to be here, get out. Like, we only want guys that want to be here, and the guys that are here today are the ones that want to play for ASU. And it's not only his voice, it's his attitude, too. He's hands-on, he's out there, he's running around, and You can see it in his body language, too. He really cares about this program, and he cares about this city and state. I'm not even joking. During practice earlier this week, and we've we've joked about how he makes everybody run station to station. I'm not joking. There was someone in a boot running. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I'm hoping they're they're toward the end of their recovery, but there are people who are injured. Still running. That's insane. It's ins- it's insane the amount, the like the culture shift. It feels like we use yeah. the, the term culture a lot, but coming off of the season that was last year, we don't have to talk too much about it. It just feels so. I feel so rejuvenated personally, and I'm sure they have to feel the same way, especially the returners. I love the word culture. Culture. Mm-hmm. Culture. It's Wolf's favorite word. Mm-hmm. We Wolf's mentioned word. heading into the break. A, a specific position group, and I'm sure most of you know which one we're talking about. Interesting. There is a great crop of kids competing for this quarterback spot. Of course, Trenton Borgay is the one holdover, if I'm not mistaken, from the last crew. But Kenny and the rest of the staff have brought in some really good kids. 
Jake, I want to start with you because you've been able to see some of them more up close at the practices. What have you noticed? What's your biggest takeaway just from seeing all of them get some field action? So Ben Meredith is also one who, who came back. Um, but of, of the six, I, I think legitimately five could actually start. Um, but I do think it's probably going to be Trenton just because Trenton and Drew Pine are the only two who have actually played meaningful games. Then you have a secondary unit of that of Ben Meredith versus Jacob Conover. Conover is a Chandler kid who came from BYU. And then obviously Rashada. And Jaden Rashada, to me, has the highest ceiling. But in your first season at the helm of this program, do you want to give the keys to a true freshman? And I'm not sure if he's 17 or 18 yet, but that's the very point I'm making. Like he, A normal high school kid would be graduating high school next month. And he's already here for spring ball. So to see the talent that he has with his arm, now can he put that cerebrally? Can he do that in the film room? If Jaden Rashada can do all that, by 2024 he should be the starter. I'm just interested to see who plays today, right? Because we, you've seen it at practice. You've seen the players who have been able to play. And now I'm interested to see, like, because Kenny Dillingham came on and he just said that a few players are out today. He's saying, hey, you're sitting out today. Are any of those players quarterbacks? I mean, Trenton Borges coming off of a foot surgery that we don't know if he's 100% to play, ready to go yet. He says he is. But I'm interested to see who's going to be here today, who's going to show out, and who's going to be ready to go. Well, there's four seven-minute quarters, he said. So, I mean, I think maybe you could – and there's there's two sides. So, maybe you could see all of them, you know, take a quarter or something. But I, I, would ex- I wouldn't expect that. I would expect to see, you know uh, – Probably four guys play, maybe you know two in the first half against each other, and then two in the second half against each other. Um, but that, and then it'll be interesting to see who those four are because I think those four will kind of give us a window into who is going to be the starting quarterback in the in the fall or in the, in that competition for the starting quarterback in the fall. And I tell you what, when and fans are starting to pour in now here at Sun Devil Stadium again, this is a free event, so if you've got the time and you want to see the future of ASU football come on down today. There's two guys and I don't, and I don't want to discount any uh, anyone else in the quarterback room, but there's two guys that I really want to focus on heavily today. Of course Jaden Rashada because of the massive backstory that came with that, but also the great story that he brings here as a legacy. Of course his dad coming here and then just all the talent that he possesses on a football field. And the other one is Trenton. Whether or not he does get to play or not he's the one that had the majority of the reps that is still here from last year, and a majority of Trenton's reps were actually really, really solid against yeah. some pretty superior competition. If, if I had to bet money right now, it's going to be Trenton for me, and that's just because of, as you just said, the experience. He's not a kid that is going to... He doesn't have the zip. Like, he doesn't wow you physically, but the kid's decision-making is so sound. Yes. He, he throws such few interceptions, he's not going to lose the game for you, which I think is the biggest thing. And, and I hate calling quarterbacks game managers because it's not – Trenton's not a kid that's going to just elevate you. But, again, what we saw with Emory Jones last year, if you throw the ball to the other team, like, it doesn't matter how good you are. Right. Like, it, it, you're just turning the ball over, and that's just so critical. So if Trenton 
can continue on that trajectory. Jeremy mentioned the injury to his foot. If he's healed from that and he can add a mobile aspect to his game, I don't expect him to be like a dual threat quarterback, but just the added mobility. I mean, he could be a serviceable quarterback. We saw it in the Washington game, too. He was able to get out of the pocket and run a little bit. Uh, that was obviously his first game, so he wasn't like totally keyed into the entire game plan, so he had to do a little bit of improvi- improvising uh, in that game. But he can do it. So it'd be nice to see, even if he's not, if he, once he is at 100%, if he is there, him doing that a little bit. So I think there's three guys that are competing really hardcore for the job. I think th- those guys are Trenton, Jaden Rashada, and Drew Pine, the transfer from Notre Dame. I'm interested to see what he can do because he had some good performances last year for Notre Dame and some, you know, not so good performances for Notre Dame. But if you're the starting quarterback for Notre Dame, like, that, that, that isn't easy to do. But to your point, if, if you look at just, like, his season stats, you're yeah. like, oh, wow, they got a great kid. If you go game by game, you start to notice, like, wow, this is kind of a bit of a roller coaster yeah. watching him play. I, I'm, so, get, exactly. I'm excited to see him play just to see if, you know, what kind of consistency he has. How much, you know, if, if, I, can, if I see him at the level of Trent, if I see him at the level of Rashada. Because right now, I would love to see Rashada start. That's, that's just me. I mean, he's the guy that you're bringing in. He's obviously the future of the program. He'd be the exciting pick. He'd be the exciting pick. Exactly. And so I would I would love to see that if he is, you know, if he can put on a little bit of weight and if he does the things that we were talking, that Jake was talking about, you know, watch, watch his film well, can read a defense. If he's just talented skill-wise, then I think you, you hold him out for a little bit. But I, I would like to see him now because, you know, he is the future of the program. So from a, I'd say half a dozen practices, eight practices for spring, I was at of the 14-15. The three quarterbacks for me are Rashad, in no particular order, Rashada, Trenton, and then Ben uh, Meredith. Because Drew Pine has been so unimpressive to me at practice to where I've kind of just marked him off to being like, and again, this is just spring ball. We still have summer and fall camp, of course. But it's just the decision-making. And that's the most important aspect. Like, yeah. like regardless of how well you can throw a football, if you're throwing it in, into, like, a, a particular exact play was and happened right in front of us, the initial read wasn't there. And you saw Pine not take his eyes off the receiver he was supposed to throw to. There was an error on the receiver. He ran the wrong route. Again, so not completely Pine's fault, but in my opinion, it's Pine's fault that you're going to lock onto one guy, still throw it there, and what happens? A safety has enough time to get over and pick it off. Like, your responsibility is the quarterback, and we're talking a lot about above-the-shoulder yes. play. Your responsibility as the quarterback is to recognize that mistake or to recognize that, oh, this coverage is its going to be a problem. And move on to the next guy. Exactly. Like, find the next read and yeah. then go through your progressions like that. It's going to be very interesting to see. I'm curious to see who actually gets the reps today, yeah. maybe a majority of the reps even. Um, we'll see what uh, Coach Will Compton and Coach Taylor Lewan put together for these <laughs> maroon and gold squads. Earlier, there was a great event a great annual event, the Pat Tillman Run. And coming up next, we're going to be able to talk to the CEO of the Pat Tillman Foundation and just the significance of the event. Zan Futrell is going to join us next on a State of the Sun Devils edition of Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Live from Sun Devil Stadium for the ASU Spring Game, Arizona Sports State of the Sun Devil Show. 
gorgeous day here at Sun Devil Stadium. Of course, we're getting you all ready for the Arizona State Maroon versus Gold Spring game. But earlier this morning is a great annual event that I was lucky enough to take a part of several years ago. I, you know, my my days of running are far behind me, unfortunately, at my young age. But Pat, Pat's Run, it's a great event, and it's a great foundation, too, the Pat Timlin Foundation. And joining us now is the CEO of the Great Foundation, Dan Futrell, here with us on Arizona Sports Saturday, State of the Sun Devil Show. Dan, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really appreciate being here. So I heard a rumor that you did participate as well this morning. I did, yeah. I uh, I crossed the finish line here a little bit ago, not super fast, but uh, but it was a good day. It's just it's so great to be on the course with twenty eight thousand other people who care about Pat and this foundation. How great is it that you're able to finish inside Sun Devil Stadium at the forty two yard oh line? Oh my gosh! Again? I mean, you know, looking up there at forty two when you cross, you know, you hit the forty two yard line. Um, that's that's a, that's an honor, and you know, we're so grateful to ASU as partners uh, to the Pat Tillman Foundation for letting us continue to do this. Um, and Tech Systems, our presenting sponsor, who, who made the race happen today. I was about to say, I was digging the medals that, that they were giving out, too. Like, yeah. The, the patch ones I've been at, I haven't I gotten one of those. I only, have, I got I only have T-shirts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, this is the first uh, in a series of three medals. And so these, all three of them over the next oh, three wow. years. Oh, wow. So you've okay. got Pat as a Sun Devil. You've got Pat here as a Cardinal. And then you've got Pat here as a Ranger. Wow. wow. So I, the next three awesome. years, it's going to be it's gonna I love cool. That, that, that is awesome. So, that awesome. is awesome. Everybody who, uh, who ran today, um, they're going to get an email tomorrow to sign up for next year. Next year is going to be a blowout. Uh, it's the 20th anniversary. People are going to be pretty excited to be here, I think. And so if somebody ran today, uh, they, they could sign up for the next two weeks for, for next year and hold that spot. As far as this event, um, from when it started to where it is now, just how much have you seen it grow? Yeah, well, you know, I, I've been here for... A piece of that growth. Uh, I've been a scholar since 2011, um, and so I didn't didn't see the beginning of it. But you know, uh, Perry Edinger was uh, the the founder of Hats Run, uh, and he he did this work with a variety of other people: uh, Mark Zimmer, uh, Christina uh, Hunley, uh, um, Doug Camero, uh, and others. And you know, this only happens because people are putting in the time. In year one, in 2005, there were 5,000 runners. To now have 28,000 here across the finish line, um, that just speaks to. Uh, uh, even 19 years later, how much of an inspiration Pat continues to be. And this even takes place in different states across the country, if I recall correctly. That's right, it does. So so we partner with ASU's Alumni Association, uh, and they reach out to you know the broad Sun Devil Network and invite people in over 40 different cities. There, there are 5,000 people today who ran a, a patch run in one of 42 different, 40 different cities. Wow, that's awesome. And then you have guys like Jake Plummer who come into town just for this event and obviously knew Pat Perth and, and yeah. just preach everything that Pat and who he was as a person. What is that importance to the foundation to have people continue to come here year in and year out, you know, 20 plus years later? Yeah. Did, did you guys talk to Jake today? I, to- I spoke to Jake uh, Tuesday. Tuesday. He was okay. at practice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, Jake, uh, all those guys are, you know, and as you know, we had J.J. Watt, you yep. know, who didn't didn't play with Pat, but, um, you know, was inspired by, you know, th- those guys, those current NFL players, you know, Larry Fitzgerald has been involved with us in the past, uh, or, or previous uh, NFL players, the, the legends, they call them. Um, you know, it is so many, like, 
Pat was a brother to them in a way that I don't know. You know, as I served in the army, and I, I have some of that, but like they knew Pat in a way that that I I never will. And they'll know stor- stories that will never be told. And I appreciate you know uh, you know them seeing each other for 4 a.m. getting up and working all day together, sweating hard, um, and uh, and really getting to know each other. The fact that they continue to show up, I think, speaks to how remarkable Pat was. You look at the last 20 years, and there isn't somebody that has done what Pat did. There's not like name the next person, the person after Pat that did something at that level. There is not one. And so the fact that they keep showing up um, just speaks to who he was in private in those one-on-one interactions and who he was publicly. And at the Super Bowl this past uh, February, um, there were four Tillman Scholars out there, um, and you know they, they honored Pat before the Super Bowl. Just uh, what did that mean for you guys and the foundation and, and everybody? I mean that that was huge for us. So we had uh, Dave Prakash, we had Rob Ham, we had uh, uh, Fabergé Flint, and we had Sun Devil uh, uh, High Jung Park. Uh, four Tillman Scholars all getting a variety of different degrees or, or have graduated. Um, to you know, uh, we are a salute to service partner with the NFL, uh, and we're grateful for that. They 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 give us some love. Uh, because they care about Pat, and uh, and they're trying to you know through us make a difference in the world in a positive way. And so for them to offer the the spotlight like that for a little bit of time, um, you know we we did the math on you know so 113 million people. I think this was the third highest watch TV show ever in history behind the moon landing, and I think like the 2015 or 2016 Super Bowl. Um, for uh, for them to shine a light uh, and offer the spotlight to us, uh, it means so much about how they how they see our partnership. And I'm just grateful. That that, you know, like, part of my job is to make sure people know who Tillman Scholars are. Right. And so when the NFL is saying, like, hey, we want to help you with that, let's shine that spotlight, um, that's just super cool. You kind of set me up for my next question. Dan Futrell, the CEO of the Pat Tillman Foundation, joining us here on this special edition of Arizona Sports Saturday. More about the foundation, because I know a lot of people recognize and even participate in the run year and year after year, but what else is it that the Pat Tillman Foundation does to support veterans and anybody else? Yeah, so we describe ourselves as uh, uh, existing to fill a leadership gap in the world. You know, we are a scholarship and a leadership development organization. What does that mean? That means we believe that military veterans and military spouses are uniquely positioned to fill that leadership gap in the world. And so our job, sure, we, we start off with the scholarship, and, and this past run makes that possible, but that's not it. Uh, it it's it's the scholarship uh, for 60 new scholars a year, uh, veterans and military spouses, but once you're selected as a Tillman Scholar, you are a Tillman Scholar for life. And so you know, you graduate. You know, I, I was a Tillman Scholar in 2011. I had one more year remaining in my academic uh, degree before, but they continue to you know bring me to, to events uh, across the country. Um, continue to support me in a variety of different ways. We now offer leadership development uh, programming for our scholars. You know, the average age of a scholar is about 27 when they get selected. They got a lot of life, a lot of growth ahead of them. Right. And we want to be a part of that. We want, and so we've we've created a lot of leadership development programming to help them continue to grow over the future of their career. As far as the leadership aspect, how much of just Pat's legacy as such a leader um, is is like why you guys is that is the focus? Like, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I, I uh, the um, it's not hard. 
to focus on leadership development when our organization is named the Pat Tillman Foundation. Uh, and so, you know, we we typically get about 2,000 applicants a year for our scholarship, uh, and we, we select 60. That's the top 3% of applicants. What that does, it's competitive, and like, you know, I would say like that's not a thing to like brag about, and we want to serve as many as we can. Um, but being tightly focused on the few that get selected, it means that we can serve them very deeply, right? Well, we've kept the number small purposefully so that we can offer all of them more deep services over a lifetime. You know, once you're, if you're, you graduated 20 years ago, we'll still pay for you to come out to our events. And so, you know, I think I think Pat's story uh, as a leader, uh, all the way going back to Leland High School uh, growing up um, here uh, on campus, uh, uh, you know, and he also, I think one of the things that gets lost in the, in the retelling of his story is, you know, he was this guy who was in, like physically fit. Like he's, you know, he's described as like running you over with a, with a train, right? If you get hit by him, <laughs> yeah. I would not. Actually, I stood next to JJ Watt today, and I was like, somebody took a picture. Yeah. It's an embarrassing picture. Yeah. Dude, he's, he's, I look, he's a mountain. I look, I, look, I look like a tiny human next to that man. Uh, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, Pat was, you know, he was uh, kind of thought of as too, too small, too slow, wasn't going to amount to anything. And yet, not only did he perform on the football field, but he performed in the locker room, right? He performed out in the community. One of the uh, um, uh, one of the stories that uh, Perry Enninger told last night, uh, who was he was his trainer here at ASU, is that after he passed away now in 2004, after Pat passed away after he was killed in Afghanistan, uh, everybody learned that he had been spending his one off day as a cardinal going to schools and reading books to, to kids. Wow. And he, would, he was doing it every week, and, you know, on the one day he had off. I think that, that speaks a ton to the, the amount of character that that man had. Dan Futrell, the CEO of the Pat Tillman Foundation, joining us here on a special edition of Arizona Sports Saturday. You're a veteran. Yep. You're a scholar. You are now the CEO of this great foundation. Why is this foundation so important to you? I mean, <laughs> come on. This, 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 this. I wanted to ask an easy question. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when, when, when I was selected as a scholar in 2011, I had served five years in the Army as an infantry officer, um, about half of that in Baghdad, uh, and was getting a degree in public policy. And um, and all that's, you know, I was in a, in a point of transition to say, all right, well, what am I going to do next in my life? I don't know. And, uh, and you know, I had some ideas. But um, to be selected as a Tillman Scholar, for me, meant uh, that if any if in any way my name is associated with Pat Tillman in his name it feels like a sense of obligation to me. Uh, it feels like a sense of responsibility that I didn't previously had. So, you know, I want to do good stuff with my life. We only have, you know, about 30,000 days on the on the planet, if you're lucky. And, um, you know, uh, what am I going to do with them? Well, it better be, I don't know if this is PG, it better be, you know, pretty darn good. Uh, <laughs> if, if, if I'm going to be, if I'm going to put myself out there as a Tillman scholar. Um, because it means that, you know, Marie Tillman, actually, uh, now Marie Tillman Shenton, she's, she's remarried. She, she spoke to a, a group of Tillman scholars um, maybe five or six years ago, the night before Patron, and she she told the story. She said, you know, uh, a lot of people come up to her and ask her, what would Pat be doing today if he were still alive? And that's an unknow it's an unanswerable question. We just you know he's killed when he was twenty seven. We will never know, and that's a shame. Um, but what she said was he would be doing what this group of Tillman scholars is doing. And you know what she's talking about? At least what I heard in the room was, you know, we should be trying to. Serve others, you know, put others' needs before our own, uh, and try to make a positive impact in the world. Um, now, in the in the CEO spot here, um, it, it means even more responsibility for trying to make that dream come true for now a community of 800 Tillman scholars. 
Uh, just going forward, um, what are what are some of the next things that uh, the foundation is going to be doing um, in the next uh, you know couple of months or yeah. years or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, in about ten minutes, I'm going to go have a Guinness, uh, <laughs> and so that's a big deal for the foundation. Uh, the uh, you know, and I think I'll see a lot of uh, Patron uh, shirts and medals out at uh, Casey Moore's for our pints for Pat. But you know, we are we're we're in build mode. You know, we're 19 years in, and it feels like we're just getting started. Um, you know, we are we do have our eyes on the 20th anniversary uh, and you know really acknowledging that as a milestone um, I think it's a big deal for any nonprofit to get to 20 any organization to get to 20 years for us it has caused us to look at, look ahead and say well what, what are the next five years hold the next 10 years next 20 years and so really for us we're going to keep building uh, to support our our existing group of Tillman scholars uh, and and the, the new ones that we'll have to select and the other thing I'll say too this year we launched what's called the Tillman Leadership Institute where all of the leadership training that we've built for our Tillman Scholars, we are offering to other organizations um, for student-athletes, for businesses and nonprofits and governmental agencies. Um, I think there's a, a lot of room for us to, to get scholars out in the world, um, sharing their experiences in a way that helps others. Dan, thank you so much for the time. It's an awesome event. It's an awesome foundation. Really looking forward to what the year 20 has to offer. Thank you awesome. so much. Thank you so much for Thanks, having Dan. me. Dan Futrell, the CEO of the Pat Tillman Foundation, joining us here on a special edition of Arizona Sports Saturday. When we come back, Kenny Dillingham's staff. A lot of emphasis on one particular area, and I'm sure you can guess which one. That's next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Live from Sun Devil Stadium for the ASU Spring Game. Arizona Sports, state of the Sun Devil Show. Mitch Ferreldis, Jeremy Schnell, Jesse Morrison, Jake Anderson keeping you company here live from Sun Devil Stadium, as you heard. And the timing could not have been more perfect. We're stopping to, the bus. To our left, we can see the maroon and the gold teams all ready to go, charging out of the Tillman Tunnel. They are playing the greatest pregame video in history. That is not a biased opinion. Uh, Where here we go. Sparky lands, and he's about to stomp on the bus. What does he stomp on here, though? That's, you, a good, ooh, that's, that's a actually point. a great it's, question. It's probably, what is? It's probably going to be the U of A. It's got to be the U of A bus. Quick, yeah. quick lunch yeah. bet. What yeah. are we doing with? It's got to be U of A. U of A. It's got to be. Well, it's not a lunch bet if we all agree. So, just a quick, just a quick visual. So the entire field has. They've got the band lined up on both sides. You've got members of the media ready to take video, and the players are all waiting by the Tillman statue, ready to charge out onto the field. And you've got Sparky in an old school Pat Tillman jersey, looking great. Maroon Sparky. Yeah, Maroon Sparky, yep. You gotta love it. Oh, here we go. We're co- we're on our way over at Tempe Town Lake right now, making our way towards Sun Devil Stadium. He stomped his way through. And it's it's U of A. Oh, it was U of A. It's wow, U of A. I never could have guessed. <laughs> and the players are charging onto the field now, led by Sparky. As you mentioned in that Maroon Tillman jersey, the band playing the fight song as the crew makes their way onto the field. As we are... We're, what, about 10, Ten minutes, minutes away from the start yeah. of this Maroon vs. Gold Spring game. I'm yeah. really excited. Again, Kenny Dillingham said, if you're listening right now and you just make a little quick turn over here to Tempe, there's still plenty of seats available. You oh come and hang out at the I don't the think game. we can emphasize this enough either. It's free. Yeah. Free just to come. walk in. Free to park. You literally just walk in. Everything about today is free. And you get to see Roe Torrance play football. My goodness, that guy is massive. You, you love your four. You He's love you some Roe Torrance. He's a six-foot-four cornerback. Wow, that guy is huge. I don't know if I've been this close to him before. That guy is 
seriously massive. Very excited to see what these two groups put together today. Of course, Coach Dillingham with us earlier told us it would be four seven-minute quarters of like real football. Whereas in the past, we've seen spring games, or some of us have seen spring games, that are just kind of like five-on-five, five, some half-11-on-11, just basically running through some routes. This, I feel, is the most excited I've been about a spring game in a long, long time. I don't know if you guys feel the same way. I think it's the combination of, A, just Kenny in general, but also, like, this is his first spring game. He's trying to, as he told us, set that standard, set the tone, and he's not going to want to come out and have all the fans come out and activate the Valley, as he says, just to have them watch a practice. He's going to want to actually have a game he played. Granted, I can guarantee quarterbacks aren't going to get touched. (laughs) But aside from that... I mean, they've been tackling each other at practice. Right. So they've been doing some live, not just the tempo like they do in the NFL, which obviously the previous regime was more of an NFL style of coaching. This is college. Right. And and this is, and I keep saying it, but Kenny keeps saying it. You don't want to be here. Get out. Can't be emphasized enough. Yeah. I, and look, the players are excited to be here, too. I mean, like Kenny was talking about, some of the guys that he said have to sit out today were calling him up until midnight last night to try and get in on the action. I mean, if they're excited, if they want to play football at this time of year and in some of the nicest weather that we've had in a little bit, then you should be excited to come out and watch them. We're lucky enough to be able to see it up close and personal. We're right along the back end zone line in the north end zone, right down below Section 17. Yeah, Jesse, this is north, by the way. We're going to get a great view. Northwest. <laughs> just west of the Tillman okay, statue. For, for people that don't get that inside joke that me, uh, Jeremy me, just I don't said, get the inside just joke. Said, I'm, I'm bad with directions. Okay, <laughs> we'll get you a compass for Christmas. Or Cardinal something. directionally challenged. So, Correct. So what we mentioned on the way out after our great conversation with Dan Futrell was this coaching staff, and I want to start with the holdovers, particularly Sean Aguano, who headed this football club for really the entire Pac-12 schedule last year, and he's still here. And despite it being a lesser role than he had last year, I think he's very excited to go back to a running backs role and stay with this university in particular. Yeah, and. It's along the whole line of the high school coaches that they brought here, along with Jason Bonds and, and Coach Ragel. You have Aguano, who has produced how many great running backs that we've seen over That's the last few years? He's got DeCarlos Brooks, who came back, played for him at Chandler, went to Cal. Now he's back. we got a great running back group. I'm actually really curious to see who's going to play, because it's one of those to where everyone is... There's one player, that's Tevin White, who's over six feet tall, and everybody else is under six foot, but they're all like 210 plus. Yeah. They're all just thick, stocky, run-through-the-tackle guys, except for Javon Jacobs, and that's a recent change in positions. But he's a Saguaro kid, again, going back to the Valley Ties. I tell you what, though. You met, you talked earlier about Trenton Borgay just being a smart quarterback yep. and going through his reads and finding progressions. That's why you put a Javon Jacobs in the backfield, because he not only has the ability to run the ball, but he has the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield which makes it which it makes him a great weapon for Arizona State to use on offense. And I've been saying this for a while. The offense that they're going to be able to kind of produce with the different minds that they have in this offensive group with Bo Baldwin, with Sean Aguano, with Kenny Dillingham, I think it's going to be perfect. And and obviously Jake brought it up, being able to have Sean Aguano really focus in back on the running backs, I think it's going to be key to see, especially if they do go with Jaden Rashada. I think it'll be exciting to see with a young quarterback, but they have running backs that can produce as well. There are two coaches that I am very excited about on this team. Defensive coordinator Brian Ward 
Washington's he comes over from Washington State last year. Washington State's defense was fantastic. We saw them play against Arizona State. You know, they were not the Washington State of old. That defense could play. And on top of that, he has Arizona ties. So therefore he can recruit in state and bring activate the valley. Yeah, and and bring, you know, a, a great defense with him from Washington State. I think the emphasis on, you know, hashtag activate the valley, the bringing guys back who are from here. We've seen it numerous times where a great high school athlete, I'll use a recent one for example, Fijon Robinson, albeit he's in Tucson, but he went out of state for college. Like U of A had a chance, Arizona State had a chance. Look at Bijan Robinson now. He's yeah. probably going to go top 20 in yep. this next NFL. Look at Brock draw. Purdy. Right. It's, 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 it gets to the point where you start to wonder why are the local colleges not doing a better job of trying to keep the kids at home? And here's a perfect example of a coaching staff that's trying to do just that, Jeremy. It's a top 10 state when it comes to talent-wise, like when it comes to football, producing NFL talent, right? Top 10 state, you know, Florida, Georgia, Ohio, Virginia, California, all those states. Arizona's right up there, right? And and if you want to be competitive in the Pac-12 and in the college football landscape nowadays, you got to keep these kids in state. Yeah, yeah, you do. And then you you still don't want to forget about those other big states, and I think that... ASU's done a good job of that, and that's the second coach that I'm really excited about, Rashad Samples. He has ties in Texas. He was an assistant coach at uh, SMU, so he knows that landscape. He knows that great recruiting ground, which is the state of Texas. So, you know, I, I, I'm very excited about that. And he has, he was a, he's a Super Bowl-winning coach as an assistant coach with the Los Angeles Rams. Right. So that those two coaching hires, uh, that Dillingham and, you know, the, or, the administration here at ASU has made it just really really impressed me two points that i'm glad you brought up samples being at practice and seeing him coach live he is not one of those super loud get in your face coaches he's pretty calm with everything but he demands excellence he demands greatness so because of that i think he actually will be the next head coach to come out of this this tree i can agree but i'm super excited to see what he does with this wide receivers group because this wide receiver group is deep, and they've brought in some guys through the transfer portal, and honestly, it's part of the reason why Javen Jacobs had to move to running back, because there's just so many guys that have the ability to catch the ball, that if you can just get these mismatches, put Javen Jacobs in the backfield, then put him out wide in motion, now a backer's going to have to guard him? Yeah. Yeah, good luck, linebacker. you got to guard a wide receiver now. Very excited to see what this offense can do, even in the small sample today, because when we come back, we'll give our first takeaways. Uh, assuming the spring game gets started at noon like they say they will we'll give our first takeaways point out other things were going on here at sun devil stadium in tempe that's all next on this special edition of arizona sports saturday arizona sports the local sports leader live from sun devil stadium for the asu spring game arizona sports state of the sun devil show Boy, it is gorgeous out here at Sun Devil Stadium in Tempe. They are just about to get started with this Maroon vs. Gold spring game. The Bustin' with the Boys dudes, that being <laughs> Taylor Lewan and Will Compton doing the official coin toss, talking at midfield with the refs. A lot There's of a cameras lot of going, on going on over there. there. Yeah. 
Mitch Morell, this leading the charge today with the rest of the state of the Sun Devils podcast team. That, of course, being Jeremy Schnell, Jesse Morrison, Jake Anderson. We're all having a good time out here. Uh, part of it because we got our uh, our shade tent back <laughs> yeah. where we are down oh, on the field. But I was sweating. I think we were all sweating. It's, a, it's nice and toasty today. There's still time to come out here if you want to check out some Arizona State spring football. It is free to get in. It is free to park. And it is very much free to enjoy. Yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I'm very much in- looking forward to what they put on Depends the Depends on what kind of football is being played. Well, so we spoke with head coach Dillingham earlier. He said four seven-minute quarters, which is very uncustomary to what I'm used to in watching spring football. <laughs> it's like Madden quarters. I'm very much <laughs> yeah, looking right. forward to it, though. I want to see some realistic football. I saw Jaden Rashada was out there earlier. They're wearing the white pennies the quarterbacks are today. Of course, Jake has mentioned several times, probably non-contact with the quarterbacks. That seems smart. He said definitely, <laughs> I believe. Yeah, I, I, if there was a spring game where a quarterback was getting hit, I do not know what what anyone would be doing there. Like that, you can't you can't have quarterbacks being hit in a spring game. <laughs> You can't have quarterbacks getting hit, period, unless it's a game. And even in a game, you can't afford to have your quarterback yeah, getting yeah. hit. Yeah, good, good, good thing. No quarterbacks getting hit. That Look. leads me into something that I really want to talk about. Go ahead. Like the offense and defensive line. Like, okay. We, we, there's a lot of turnover on the, in those two groups this year. And obviously you want your quarterback, no matter who it is, whether it's true freshman and Jaden Rashada, or if it's Trenton Bourget, who dealt with a lot of injuries last year, to stay off the turf. Right, Jake? You would, yeah. you would want them to stay off the turf. Yeah, just a little bit. So I'm really intrigued to see who steps up, not only today, but going into, you know, when it comes to fall camp and, and getting into the season, who steps up on those two groups, especially the offensive line. It's a bummer because one of their anchors last year, Ben Scott, he's now gone. Ladarius Henderson. And then this year, or of course, Ladarius Henderson goes to Michigan. That's a bummer as well. They bring in Ben Coleman, who I know, Jake, you were excited about, and now we're learning that he's going to be out for a majority of the season, which is a real bummer. You have to find some sort of consistencies, particularly on the offensive line, because we saw how much this offense struggled last season, and now with a new head coach, new regime, new offensive game plan, it'll really come down to those five guys on the front line. I think the spring game is actually a perfect opportunity for these guys, because you're going to have, so I say a glass, you're going to have Foley. Those are going to be your tackles, most likely, right? Frost might be your center. Who's going to be your guards? And so it's kind of like four or five guys might be playing for those spots. It's a perfect opportunity in a spring game. You're going to get two different sets of offensive lines every single drive. And going against a good defensive unit that has a lot of depth on the defensive line. Uh, Dillingham has said this at practice. You might see an old New York Giants style of defensive line to where you're sending out three or four DNs and yeah. not necessarily interior guys all the time. So I, I'm really, as Jeremy said, I'm very curious to see which offensive linemen step up and prove themselves to be worthy of having to replace guys because, as you said, a guy like Ben Coleman who comes in and gets injured, he'll be back halfway through the season, but he hasn't. Think about how long he hasn't been able to play. How many games will he be able to impact? Exactly, and yeah. get back and get into football shape. So, again, today is going to be a lot of looking at the line of scrimmage and seeing who can hold their own and who's going to be able to protect this quarterback in the fall. I would agree with Jake. I mean, that that is what I am looking for other than the quarterback position is if if you want to see, I want to see 
this defensive line, which Jake has said from practice, is one of the strong points of this team. Go up against the offensive line, which, to be completely honest, is not the, the strongest point on this team. So I just want to see how the offensive line can hold up against that defensive line. And then I also want to see how many penalties are in this game. Because that, that is something that the past couple of years under Herm Edwards, there's just been so many penalties. And if they've really cleaned that up, I'm going to be very excited because if you can win the penalty battle, that's going to really help you in a football game. So the teams have now entered the field, and I'm sure you guys are along with me in saying that the, my immediate takeaway, first quarterback on the field, Drew Pine. There's also, no, team. There's also no kickoff. Correct. Yeah. No I was, kickoff. I was, why wouldn't they? But Trenton is on the other team. Right, but yeah. Drew Pine coming first onto the field, I'm sure part of it was either Gold won the toss or Maroon won that, the toss. That's what I'm saying, part. yeah. But Drew Pine getting the first reps here today. Oh, here, come, to... and here comes Kenny running oh. out onto the field, sprinting. He's running with the headset. He's yeah. going to set up directly behind. <laughs> of course, we'll emphasize again that they're going to be playing four full-on seven-minute quarters. Of course, the quarterback is not going to get touched. Uh, we mentioned Javen Jacobs as well. I see him lined up in the backfield with Drew Pine here for the gold Watch team. this Alford versus Rowe battle. This is going to be nuts. So it's on the right side of the field. Nine versus nine. Get the snap to Pine. Pine pitches it over to Jacobs on the left side. Nice little curl route game there. Some interesting, some interesting play design to start things out. A lot of positional battles we're going to be watching. Yeah, I'm the, curious what Pine's first throw is going to look like as well. Yeah, for sure. And I'm, you know, I guess this puts Drew Pine as the number two right now behind uh, Trent Bourget. First throw is actually batted at the line. Great job by by Maroon there, I should say. Excuse me on the defense. But again, that BJ goes... BJ Green, man, he's going to be a beast. It goes to our offense and defensive line talk. That was a good push by the defensive line there. Some intriguing stuff after, like, last year we saw uh, the first five games of the season. I believe they only had two sacks in the first five games of the season. So it would be nice to see some pressure from ASU this year. Notre Dame prep wide receiver Jake Smith is out wide on the right. And you got Jalen Conyers. Jalen Conyers and Elijah Badger on different teams. So I'm assuming, uh, besides Swinson is also going to be on Maroon. Interesting. So I, I like like what Kenny was saying, uh, Mitch, that they wanted to mix things up a little bit. They don't want all of the number one guys on the same team. And I, I like that. I like to obviously when you're playing little, you know, kickball or whatever it may be on the, sure. on, the on the playground, you, you don't want all the uh, heavy hitters on one team or else it's going to get lopsided and not everyone's going to have fun, you know? I think it needs to be emphasized, too, that diversifying who gets put on what team and who gets it's put with what group? As you mentioned, it's it kind of evens out the opportunities. It's Jacobs with a carry, and he's mollywop, dogpiled after a few yards of a game. You know, he's got... He, got, he can see the, the holes and stuff is what I, I saw there. I mean, it's that, amazing that too. looks good. Yeah. He spent he's a majority a of his time yeah. doing returns last year. So this is a true first opportunity on offense for Jacobs this I, year. I want to see, I, Jake, do you think he's just going to be fully a running back or, or will we no, see he, him he, at wide receiver at He's all? a running back now, positionally, okay. but... A, I'm impressed that he's getting the reps as basically like a second string yeah. running back, and he's actually getting handoffs. So he's not going to be just the scat back that motions out for that linebacker on running back matchup when he is a wide receiver as we see him go out. Nice throw. 
Just through the hands of the intended Incomplete receiver. Incomplete to Pierre, the t- uh, tight end. He'll be another guy that we'll see have any impact this year. A lot of tight ends. I was going to say, you mentioned tight ends. We'll touch on that real quickly. Two returners, to my knowledge, Jalen Conyers and Messiah Swinson. Jacob Newell as well, Jacob but he got Newell. hurt last year, so he didn't play. But I'm really excited and have been excited for a long time about Conyers. I just feel yes. like he's that secret weapon that this offense is going to unleash at different times during the season. He wasn't so much a secret in that Colorado game, though, Jake. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the end of the year is when he had his breakout, and it, we talked about it all year. Why are we not throwing the ball to the tight ends more? Especially when they're 6'4 and 6'8 and weighing 240-plus. That was a nice throw. Oh, guess Speaking who it is. Of Conyers. Speak of the devil. <laughs> nice little slant route, and Conyers turns it into a multi-yard gain for a first down for the goal team. Good find there by Drew Pine. Yeah, it looked it looked good. I mean, he he, he found the the receiver that was open, and right across the middle, I like those throws over the middle. Uh, if you can if you can deliver on those, I think you just gotta you'll be have careful. You don't want those success there. Passes, yeah, you right? do not want the hospital passes, but you, you, if you can throw over the middle, you know you, you you're gonna have some success. Looks like they're about at the 25 yard line, setting up for an opportunity to score here. Now, remember what we spoke about earlier about decision making. This is where I really want to watch Pine because I have not been that impressed with him at this point in practice when it comes to the red area. Let's see what he does here. He hands it off to Javen Jacobs, who finds a small hole for a short gain of about four, it looks like, on the Jumbotron. They're in the opposite end zone to us from where we're broadcasting from. We're on the northwest side. They're over on the south side. Gold team trying to score on their first possession. About two and change taken off the seven-minute clock here. And we will look more at this when we come back, give you more takeaways from this game. We'll see who the next quarterback is taking reps, perhaps, for the Maroon team. We'll do that next on a State of the Sun Devils edition of Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Live from Sun Devil Stadium for the ASU Spring Game. Arizona Sports, State of the Sun Devil Show. It is a gorgeous day here at Sun Devil Stadium. Sun is out. Teams are on the field, and would you look at that? If my eyes do not deceive me, I believe I see number 16 getting set to go here for the Maroon team, and that would be none other than Trenton Borgay, gentlemen, Jeremy Schnell, Jesse Morrison, Jake Anderson, along with myself, Mitch Farrell, this year at Sun Devil Stadium. Yeah, and just to uh, update people, there it was a field goal on by the uh, gold team just yes. now. Uh, it was a pretty long one, uh, right down the middle, though, which was uh, exciting to see. I will say that... The the end of the possession there for um, Drew Pine, I was not impressed with. There was a play where he just kind of threw it away. It looked like intentional grounding. I'm not sure they called it. And then there was a delay of game called on him as well. And then not really his fault, but he did uh, get sacked, if that's the term you want to use. He can't really get hit here. Well, he did you know, fall down, though. Yes, yeah. he did. <laughs> Which is a little concerning at a spring game. Yes. You, know, you know what you call uh, when you get an onside kick, right? It's a roll of the dice, right? Right? Mitch. Right. So what they did during that timeout was they rolled the dice. This was fascinating. Real live inflatable dice. They rolled it on the field. And of course, the wind just kept blowing it and blowing it and blowing it. Finally stopped. They did not get the onside kick. They needed it to land on a certain number. Coach Dillingham, he, he joked, if it makes it past the 42-yard line, it'll not be an onside. And the 
diet, it stopped. The, no, it didn't. It kept rolling. It kept rolling, and the wind keep pushing it. A lot of Speaking good of movement pushing, here by the Maroon yeah. team, particularly Dude, at they the are running game. Peppering Scatterbro, who is a Sacramento State transfer, I believe. You like this kid, don't you? Dude, Sac State was really good last year in the FCS. I will say that. They were in, the, I believe, the top ten all season, and then they lost the game uh, toward the end of the season to Montana State. But Borgay doing a good job, as we've talked about a lot, from the shoulders up, putting together a good drive here, reading the first route on a little curl for a short game. They're, I mean, they're almost in the red zone right now. They're almost coming at us here in the north yeah, end zone. Yeah, I mean, Trent Borgay is doing exactly what he did down the stretch of the season last year, just kind of moving the offense down the field. That was the thing with him, is he would just, the offense would just move with him at and quarterback. And it wasn't just all dinking and dunking for, for Trenton Borgay. He is able to throw it down the field Correct. if he has to. Correct. But he does like to take that first route uh, when it's early on in, in, uh, in um, downs, you know, that he Looks, wants to make sure that he gets the chains moving a little bit. Looks like he's changing the play at the line. He moves Swinson over from the left to the right side, takes the snap, looks to the left, and a, just a bit out of reach. And there you go. The running back. There you go right there. When Trenton is going to the outside, uh, kind of throwing to the uh, left, in, or just kind of to the sidelines. When, when Trenton's throwing to the sidelines, that's kind of been where he struggled. That's where we saw him throw some interceptions last year. And so, again, that was that play just Oh, now. Jesse, Jesse, look what we got. Oh, boy. Look what we got. A little trickery. Swinging gate, swinging gate. All, we got all the, the linemen are on the left side. We have one, Messi's two down there. linemen. There's a lot of space on that left side this of the line. This is going to be an interesting play. Can't wait to watch this. Borgay trying to usher people around. Man in motion. Looks like oh, Badger. Boy. And they hand it right to him. Cuts back up on the right side of the line. You know what? That reminds, gets a gain. Looks like a first down. That reminds me of the different plays that they used to run with Nikhil Harry, where they'd snap it right to him, and he'd just go. Just run back and forth and try and find the space. Yeah. We've heard a Guano tell us if there's straight up who has the best arm of all the running backs, Scatterbro wasn't even it wasn't even a question. I, I wouldn't be shocked if at some point today we saw him throw the ball. And it, I mean, it, I they got positive yardage there. I mean, it wasn't the most successful play ever, but it it did work. It's uh, fun. I tell you what, though, fun out here. On the Maroon team is doing a lot of things successfully with their rushing attack. Not necessarily as much with the passing, which is okay, but it's cool to see how much this offensive line in particular is creating space for yeah. all the rushing. Now, it's it's pass blocking that I'm really concerned about. Run blocking, Elijah Badger slot. not as hard. <laughs> Elijah Badger versus Jordan Clark. From about 15 yards out. Oh, it's a fake. Looks like they're doing a wheel. And now it's a floater to the end zone, just overshot Almost came right at to us. us. Well, it did come to us. Our, our boss was unable to pick up the ball. Our boss there, was unable to pick up the ball. And Sparky's here. Sparky. Sparky. Uh, you want you guys want to interview Sparky real quick? I don't know if he can I mean, we can't. we can't. I love the thread, by the way. It's very, very nice today, Sparky. Oh, we didn't mention it had the Rose Bowl patch Yeah, it was the, it. it's the Rose Bowl patch. That is 1997. A, that is Pat a special uni right there. That is very yeah. nice. That's the ultimate uni. Yeah. So it looks like Maroon's resetting here. And by the way, speaking of the about offensive line. About a minute on the clock as well. Guillory is out, out on, the, on the wide. He's another great transfer. Speaking of the offensive line there, whoever threw that pass got absolutely destroyed. Floated the end zone. There is Badger. He's got it. And it's a touchdown for Maroon. I lose the lunch bag because I picked the wrong corner. But at the end of the day. <laughs> oh, now the entire Maroon oh. team is on the field. Oh, my goodness. They're all celebrating oh with Badger. Goodness. This is great. Yeah. I haven't seen this in a while. And Sparky's out there on the field. I tell you what, this feels that okay. There's an example right there of what feels like a massive culture change from just a year ago. 
There's the entire team going out there. And granted, they're playing against each other, but there's the entire team coming out from the sideline to support their guy. That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, a dime yeah. from Trenton Borgay there too. So beautiful back, pass. Back beautiful. So this is what we've seen a lot in practice: the offense versus the defense, especially when it's either one v one competitions, which we're actually allowed to film. So you've seen those. The ones we're not allowed to film. It's they're playing football without a line. Right. But it is so competitive. When I asked Coach Gillingham about the competitiveness of Jordan Clark on Tuesday, they the defense barely, barely was unable to stop him. Like Scatterbro had to get in twice, and after that final touchdown to end the offense versus defense, Jordan like was so upset. And it's like that's practice. If yeah. you take that intensity and everyone follows you, you take that to a game. That's why you're seeing what you're seeing. So it looks like the teams are resetting here. So the gold team is going to go back on offense momentarily. And Drew Pine will get another opportunity with that offensive unit as the maroon defense makes its way back onto the field. Last time out for the gold, they were only able to get the field goal. So they trail 7-3 to maroon. There's about a minute left in this first quarter. So far, I am I was much more impressed with the maroon side of things and what Trenton Bourget and that offense did versus what Drew Pine and the gold side has been able to do. As you say that, Pine able to dump it off to his running back, Jacobs. We have uh, not seen Tevin White. That might have been one of the players... Dillingham was alluding to not playing. Do you wonder if this is a quarter-by-quarter thing, too? I mean, it could be, but why would you not... they've got, like, five quarterbacks they could possibly work out today. True, but we're seeing the two guys that we thought would be out, and and we're seeing the receivers we thought we'd seen, we're seeing the tight ends. The only thing is the running backs not seeing Tevin White from the first two kind of shocks me. If we don't see him at all, then we know why. He was one of the guys that was getting held out. Yeah. But it sounds like he was motivated to play, even if given the opportunity. Another snap to Pine. He's looking to the right side. Deep pass, but it's overthrown, incomplete. Looks like the receiver's calling for a holding penalty. <laughs> yeah. This is this is the part that I love about it, is asking for penalties against your own teammates. It's a spring game. Roe Torrance was very fired up uh, about that play that he made there. I did not see a hold there. It might have been an uncatchable pass anyway. So now so. Rose on Jake Smith. There's about 20 seconds left in this first quarter. Which is seven, which in the slot is seven minutes long, like you guys said. You know, seven minutes for a football quarter doesn't seem that short. I'll yeah, take it. Like you guys said, it's like Madden. Yeah. A, yeah. Ch- a check at the line by Pine. Could this now be everybody's threat to go. Snap to Pine, immediately looks to the right, and it's caught by Conyers, yeah. who's able to get a few yards there on a quick little tight end route. I think it, that's fourth down. They, do they punt here, Jake? What, what's going on? What have you seen at practice? Do, do they do much of punting or kicking? So, or at, like I mean, they do, but at practice, what happens basically... You'll get to a play, and Kenny Dillingham will announce, like, fourth and whatever is a go. So if it's third and nine, and he says fourth and five is a go, get five yards. Don't force it for the first down if you don't have it. Just get to fourth and four because we know we're going for it. You have two plays to get those nine yards. But it's always being in preparation. If you're not ready for it or you make the bad play, then you can't. You have to scrap it and punt. And Kenny Dillingham always talks about, I'd rather second and ten is your friend. Throw it out of bounds because it's a hell of a lot easier than first and 19 or second and 19 excuse me we're through the first quarter here coach dillingham speaking to the crowd here at sun devil stadium which i want to remind again like it's free to come and it's free to park which is huge for this area 21 minutes of game there's still plenty to see yeah and you know i do need to say this like again 
Sun Devil fans, not enough out here today. Not enough out here. I mean, new coach, new energy. You got to get out here. Look at you trying to antagonize the fan base. I'm not trying to antagonize the fan base. I just, you know, <laughs> I just have I just have to live up to the I, fact that I, I called it. it out last year. I get and it. I have to continue to call it out. You're sticking to your mantra. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay, it. it's fine. It's fine. Well, I, I here's what I'll say because we're getting toward the end of the show. My final thoughts so far of what we've seen today. We've seen a lot of energy. Mitch, yes, and I. I love that. I think the players are having fun, and that's what it should be in spring football. It shouldn't be all about X's and O's, and you're getting toward the summer. Your School's almost over. Players are getting excited to go on their summer vacation. Have some fun. Get out there. Compete a little bit. But get excited because this is football. This is spring. And there's still very much that competitive nature of going one-on-one against the dude or Wolf will, Wolf will always term it as like going in the trenches, right? He'll always talk about how like football is football, and it's just what it is. We're getting a great view of it here today. Oh, the punt was muffed by the punter. That's not good. It, it's early. It's and it's a fan returning oh. the punt, I believe. I believe that is a fan back there returning the punt. See, guys, if you get out here, you might get, be able to return a punt. Yeah. The question is, was but he see, successfully able to return But that's not situational awareness. That's in the back. You can't catch that there. you got to let that go in the back of the end zone. Yeah. Are we coaching the fans to catch the football or <laughs> to be smart where the, where they are on the field? you got to know where you're at. I tell yeah. you what. Don't try to catch it if you're... If, you're on, if your heels are on the 10 and it's behind you, that's it. Over. Yeah. You just got to have yeah. situational awareness. Guys, this was great. We had a good time. We're going to get to see some more spring ball. But coming up next, we've got Diamondbacks baseball for you. They are in Miami taking on the Marlins. For Jake Anderson, Jesse Morrison, Jeremy Schnell, and the rest of the great crew that joined us here at Sunderbolt Stadium today, I'm Mitch Vareldis. We will talk to you again next Saturday here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.